Hi, everybody. This is Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. And I'm your host, Laurie Handlers, and it is my pleasure to be back with you. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. I come to you in peace. Today's show is going to be amazing because statistics say that the U.S. has by far the highest rate of teen pregnancy throughout the Western industrialized world. Shocking. In 2000, the total number of teen pregnancies in the U.S. was a staggering 821,810. What that means is there were 84 teen pregnancies per 1,000 teens. In addition, teen mothers, it's stated, are more likely to drop out of high school as many as, and as many as 80% of them end up on welfare. So, it seems that our national abstinence, abstinence policy, better known as just say no, that has been advocated by the religious right is not working very well. My guest today is an expert on teen sexuality and has plenty to say about the lack of education being provided to teens in the American education system. Heather Simonson, LMSW, that means Licensed Social Worker and Sexuality Educator. Heather is the founder of Sexuality Education and Counseling Services in on Long Island in New York. Heather, I am so glad to have you on my show today to shed some light on this astounding Staggering set of statistics. The U.S. has the highest teen pregnancy rate in the whole in industrialized world. What's going on here? Well, um, it's a pleasure to be here, Lori. Thank you. It's quite an honor. And really what's going on is pretty much exactly what you said, is that our schools are not able to provide comprehensive sexuality education, which talks about everything from abstinence to contraception to how to put a condom on to healthy relationships and the abstinence only or just say no programs that are funded through our federal government is what is really uh, running through our school districts across America. There's no federal funding stream for comprehensive sex ed and there's millions and billions of dollars that are being poured in to abstinence-only programs that have been proven to not work. Well, I think the statistics prove that they don't work. (laughs) Yeah, I would say so. 84 teens in 1,000 are pregnant and most likely not going to finish high school and not going on to college. What's wrong with these people? Can't they add 1 plus 1 equals 2? I think a lot of it is really based around fear that if we talk to our young people about sexuality, especially if it's in a positive way, that it will encourage them to do it. Um, A lot of that needs to be coming from the home, from parents, um, where they're learning about the values around sex and sexuality and everything else, for that matter. Um, And parents are not provided with the support and the services and the education that they need to be able to even deal with what's going on with teen sexuality. They're just they're just in the dark. I mean, they haven't even had half of the problems that our teens are struggling with today when they were growing up. I mean, 
AIDS wasn't around, these kinds of issues just, it wasn't around. So they just don't know. Um, the messages that they received from their parents was always, don't do it. And so that's, they, they're doing what they know. And so if that's the messages that the parents are sending, then the school districts are going to follow suit. So what we really need to be doing is mobilizing and educating and supporting parents to be able, for, so that they are enabled to and empowered to advocate for comprehensive sex ed in our schools. Now, when I was growing up, which, you know, I was in junior high school, during, I, I don't know, I graduated from high school in 1965, so I was in junior high school, you know, a few years before that, and I rem- we had a sex education program, and they taught us more basics and fundamentals than just say no. They taught us about contraception. I mean, a lot of contraception wasn't even around then. I mean, I was part right. of the, I was the early part of the baby boomer generation, so that's when the birth control pill was first introduced, and that revolutionized female sexuality anyway. I mean, for the first time, we could say yes and have mm-hmm. sex without the fear of getting pregnant or without the fear of a condom breaking or, you know, something like that. So they don't teach that anymore in the schools? Well, some school districts do. Um, the, the the problem is, is because of the, the funding that is available, you know, school districts oftentimes are going to take where they, take what they can get. Um, you know, they're, they're hurting, our, our education programs are hurting, and there is a funding stream for abstinence-only education. And when you accept money for abstinence-only curricula, you have to abide by certain standards. One of those standards is that you don't show kids how to put a condom on, and you talk about it only in terms of failure rates. And they use scare tactics to try to scare kids into not having sex. And what the studies have shown is that those types of methods are not effective because they may delay the onset of sexual activity for a short, very, very brief period of time. But when the kids finally do engage in sexual activity, they have no idea how to protect themselves. And that's really what the problem is. And so schools need to really start turning down that money and use other types of resources to be able to um, train their own health teachers or bring in outside speakers or consultants to be able to provide this education. Um, there are many places that do it for free, like Planned Parenthood. A lot of Planned Parenthoods around um, will do it for free, and there are other organizations also that will work with the school district, districts to try to even implement some type of curriculum. Um, so it is, it really is possible to make it happen. Um, they just need to start they do need to start turning down the money. I mean, I think it was about a year or so ago, um, New York State did turn down the abstinence-only money, and we were we were receiving those funds for quite some time, and there were a lot of programs like that out here. Um, but the, the money was turned down, and now we're really trying to become more of a progressive and comprehensive state in terms of sex education. Well, Heather, if New York State cannot become a progressive state in terms of sex education, what state can? It's really crazy, Lori, that <laughs> New York really honestly has so much 
further to still go. I've been in so many schools on Long Island where they ask, um, you know, can you please come in and talk to our students about HIV, but you can't speak about how to protect yourself from oral sex, which is one of the modes of transmission for HIV. Um, or, and you can't talk to them about condoms. And oh it's God. astounding. That's just, that's stunning. It's staggering. It, it's, it's like, it's such a mixed message that it's no wonder kids don't know what to do. And of course, the, I mean, there's a few things here. I mean, there's a few things at play which we haven't even mentioned yet, but one being children are rebellious anyway. Teens are rebellious anyway. Not all children, but teens are rebellious. They want to carve their own way, but they need to carve their own way with information that's true and valid and sound, that's one. And two, the biological imperative is so strong in teenagers mm-hmm. that the animal kingdom species, uh, go. you know, the, the propagation of the species is happening so rapidly in their bodies, they don't even know what's happening to them. So, of course, they're going to go ahead and be together as kids always were going to be together. They were always mm-hmm. going to find a way to get together, and here they're getting together in a time where it could cost their life. Yes. And the, and states like New York State are having a hard time with it. Are there any states that besides New York that have refused the funding that you there know of? There are. I, I wish that I could even run them off for you, um, but I'm not able to do that. <laughs> but there are, but there are only a handful. You mean you're not able to do it because you don't know or you're not supposed to? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, okay. I don't know which other states they are. I just thought maybe they swore, you were sworn into secrecy. (laughs) No. (laughs) Definitely not. I just, I'm really not sure what other states that um, have refused that funding, but it's really just a handful. Well, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a crisis. It's a huge crisis. Uh, It's for, Teenagers, it's, it's got to be a huge crisis for parents as well. And uh, how many, so you've been invited into places on Long Island, into schools on Long Island. Are you invited by the schools or are you invited by the parents? Both. I mean, the work that I do, I do parenting programs um, that are sometimes for just the parents um, to help them talk about, learn how to talk more comfortably and with confidence about sexuality and sexual development with their kids. Um, but usually there really aren't a lot of limitations if I'm being invited by the parents because it's being, you know, I'm speaking to an adult audience. Um, although I have received a, quite a, a mixed feedback with that as well. But most oftentimes it's the schools that invite me in, whether it's either the health teachers that are asking to come into a classroom or the uh, the district who is asked, or the school itself is asking to come in and do an entire presentation to say, you know, all of seventh grade. See, in terms of New York, um, New York has basically only one mandate for sexuality education, and I'm not sure what the timing is on it. I know it used to be an hour, but um, it's there's only a mandate for that school districts must provide a certain amount of time of HIV education. That's the only standard there is. 
Otherwise, every district is left up to, it's left up to them and what they decide to do. And so school districts who are more conservative or who are, are receiving that abstinence-only funding will be, it will be very limited. So I have walked into places and they've said, you need to come and speak about HIV, but you can't talk about, you know, you can't show them how to put a condom on and you can't really get into detail about that. And one of the kids one time asked me, well, when I was talking about, you know, one of the ways you can get it is through unprotected oral sex. And they asked, well, how do you protect yourself from oral sex? And I was not permitted to answer the question. So it was it was a very hard situation. I didn't at the time know what I was even walking into. They had mm-hmm. told me that when I was walking in the door. Um, so I was taken very off guard at that particular moment and wasn't able to answer their question about, you know, or even get into because that's that's one of the problems with our teens is the, is the misinformation. Um, and they, a lot of kids will know that, oh, well, you can get pregnant from having intercourse or you can get sexually transmitted infections or HIV from, you know, having intercourse, and that's what they know. So they engage in many other risky behaviors, which is good in one way because they're still expressing themselves sexually and they are lowering their risk for pregnancy because they know that they can't get pregnant that way, but they don't know that almost every single sexually transmitted infection that is out there can be transmitted through having unprotected oral sex. No one's talking about that. No one's talking about the use of dental dams or flavored condoms or anything else to be able to prevent the transmission of those infections. And so here's a kid who's asking me, and it's in front of a group of 150 students, and I'm not permitted to answer that question to them. What do you think would have happened? We're going we're gonna to pause in a second, but just before sure. we do, what do you think would have happened if you just said it? Answered it. <laughs> yeah, would they have called the police and escorted you out of the school? No, but at the time I wasn't an independent consultant and I was working for an agency. Uh-huh. And so I'm I'm fairly sure that they probably <laughs> would have, you know, made a call to the agency and we would never have been invited back to the school. You, you would have so, been- you would have been tarred and feathered and run off at Long Island. <laughs> you know, it, 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 and like I said, I was really caught off guard and, and there have been times where I've been asked to, you know, you know, please don't do this. And because it's my duty, it's my mission to be able to provide these kids with things, uh, with the information that's really going to enable them to make these informed decisions, I will tell them. But that's one of the lovely things about being an independent contractor is now I can do whatever I want. <laughs> right, they can't fire you. This is good. Well, <laughs> no, right. <laughs> well, if you've just tuned in, you are listening to Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. I'm Laurie Handlers, and my guest today is Heather Simonson. Heather is the creator of Sexuality Education and Counseling Services, which provides educational services on sex, for parents and teens, so that in this time of epidemic disease, death-causing disease proportions, someone at least has a level head about trying to get the word out there to teens to save their lives. And and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for that. So we'll pause here for a moment. I just want to talk to you about something else. Wondering what book you should read to jumpstart your sex life and increase your happiness? Try my book, 
Sex and Happiness, the Tantric Laws of Intimacy. This short, easy-to-read book will make you laugh at yourself and possibly even make you cry as you discover my tantric secrets for happiness and how they apply to you. In the book, I begin with the 10th law, Make Love in the Unknown, and then work you all the way through laws 1 through 9 to teach you how to be in the unknown, fresh, every moment, every day. This is what I call an orgasmic state of life. Sex and happiness puts the innocence and love back into sex and gives Tantra the respect it deserves. It's only $19.99 in paperback and $14.99 in ebook. You can order it by going to sexandhappiness.com. Please order your copy of Sex and Happiness by me, Laurie Handlers, at sexandhappiness.com. We're back, and in case you've just tuned in, you're listening to Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. Today's subject is very, very eye-opening. It's it's almost catastrophic. I, I don't even I don't know a better word to say about it. It's the subject of teenage sexuality, and the statistics in the United States say that 84 of every 1,000 teenage girls is going to get pregnant and probably drop out of school, never finish high school, nor go to college, probably end up on welfare. And it's because the influence of the far right has so penetrated our federal government in the United States that schools can no longer even have someone come in to tell young people about condoms. That's simply a crime. That's just a crime. So doing something about it, Giving her best efforts towards this effort is Heather Simonson, my guest today. Heather, I just wonder, you know, so tell us, let's see, you, you, so you're not working for an agency anymore. I think the agency you were working for was Planned Parenthood, am I wrong? No, that, that, you were right, that is correct. Um, yeah, so probably you could have gotten into trouble if you had broken the rules when you were working for Planned Parenthood. You know, Heather, I know you pretty well and you know me pretty well, so, Probably you broke a few of those rules. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, we, we, you know, we certainly did. I mean, if there were, you know, I'll be honest, there were times where we would be in a school district and in what I won't mention which ones, but ones that are the, you know, the, the in the top three rated in, in, in Long Island that are at most risk. And we weren't allowed to be giving out condoms in their schools. And so if we were out in the parking lot and the kid came over and said, you know, can can I have a condom, you know, we were inclined to give it to them. We weren't in the school anymore. It was, um, you know, it was not in that particular setting or at least in a classroom setting. And what are you to do? You're in a bind. Here you are, you know, sitting here trying to encourage these kids to make good decisions. And then when they ask for what they need to be able to protect themselves, we were in a bind and not able to give it to them. So it was a really tricky situation to be in at times. Um, but, you know, I don't know if it was so much that I would have gotten in so much trouble, but when you're an agency that really wants to be able to continue to provide services like that, it could have put our relationship with that district in jeopardy. And, it, you know, at that time, it just really wasn't worth doing that. Sure, sure. 
Well, yeah. so now you're an independent, and is that the name of your business, Sexuality Education and Counseling Services? Yes, it is. And do you have a website? Is that What's the website? Well, it's just about to go live, but the oh, website good. is www.sextalk.org, S-E-C-S-T-A-L-K.org. Great, sextalk.org. That sounds yep. kind of sexy. I um, thought so, too, the sex standing for the Sexuality Education and Counseling Services. <laughs> that's great, Heather. Congratulations. I'm looking forward to see your website when it comes up. Thank you, Lori. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about that. It's great. So now, how do you, how do people find out about you? you? You don't have a website yet, so how do people find out about you? Who is your client base? Who, who's, and, and I, did, I forgot to ask you this question before. What about private schools? Do, do private schools call you? Absolutely. I mean, anyone who calls, I can accommodate, you know, to do either a workshop or a private group. Um, you know, I also do individual counseling, whether it's with young people or married couples. Um, that was the one thing that was really lacking for me at Planned Parenthood was that even though I'm a licensed social worker, I wasn't able to be in that counseling role. And so when I would go out into the community and do educational workshops and people would ask if I saw clients individually, uh, I wasn't, or people wanted to talk to me about some issues or things that were going on with them, I wasn't able to step into that hat because of, you know, the sole responsibilities of me being just an educator. So that's the nice thing that I can really supplement that role now is, is by, you know, seeing people independently. Um, so really anyone, anyone from a young child who's struggling in school to, you know, an elderly couple who are having difficulties in bed, whatever the situation might be, because I'm a general practitioner and that's where my training has been, but also because my specialization is in sexuality, I'm really able to to see a wide variety of um, of clients. So it's really it's really a wonderful thing, and it's very very exciting. In terms of the education that I do, again, it's you know sexuality education starts from the minute that you're born to the moment that to the moment that you die. It never ends, and we're always growing. And so, you know, I can do workshops with young kids talking about um, healthy relationships and talking about hygiene and, of course, um, good touch and bad touch and learning how to say no to people when they don't want something and putting up those boundaries at very young ages to, you know, again, talking about, um, you know, in a couple's relationship, I'm, you know, as you know, Lori, I also do... Um, teach Tantra as well, and so working with couples on intimacy and communication and learning Tantra techniques to spice up their sex life. So it's really such a wide range that um, that I cover in my practice. That's great, Heather. It's good to know that. I'm glad everybody's hearing that as well. The um, I, you know, I just recently did my first teenage class here in Phoenix, Arizona. I did yeah. a class. I had a uh, I had six teenagers and two people in between their age and my age, like mm-hmm. you know, two a couple who was about twenty, and just in case the teenagers ha- couldn't bridge themselves to me or I couldn't bridge themselves to them, I had a young couple along for the ride who were willing to share 
some of their sexual experiences for the sake of educating the teenagers. And it was quite an eye-opening experience. I had a, I had an age range from 12 to 17. I had three boys and three girls. And I cut it. I, there was a nine-year-old who wanted to be in the class, but I cut it off uh, at 12. I didn't. I felt the nine-year-old had a couple more years to to grow mm-hmm. before coming in. Would you agree with that, or did I make a mistake? Um, I I definitely agree with it, mostly because I think of developmental things in terms of the ages and a nine-year-old being in a group with twelve-year-olds. Not as much the subject matter, but I think that if you were doing something with, um, say, nine to eleven-year-olds or seven to nine-year-olds. Right. And group them, and you were doing something that was age appropriate for them, I think it would have been fine. But, um, in terms of the subject matter and where they are developmentally, I just think that would have been a challenge to have a nine and a twelve year old in the same yeah, group. Yeah, thanks. I, I wasn't sure after, after you said what you said. He, uh, he, he, by the way, told me, the nine year old told me that he can't wait to be a little older so he could be in my class. He's signing <laughs> up now. <laughs> so then you should do a group for seven to nine year olds. Yeah, that's not a bad idea, except I don't know what to do with them. Maybe I have to get you back out here to Phoenix and have you do the Oh, group. there you go. <laughs> yeah. What you I did do, I will tell you a little bit. Up. I will tell you a little bit what I did do with those teenagers. I We talked very explicitly about sex. I, I, we did a game where the the boys were on one team and the girls were on another team, and then I asked questions to see what they knew. Like, we started with, when a girl reaches puberty, what are the changes that will happen to her body? Mm-hmm. And then they, you know, they had to race to see which group would answer first. And the boys answered first. <laughs> and then uh, we did, so I asked a lot of questions. You know, what is orgasm? What is menstruation? What is an erection? What is every question that I thought they might know a little something about, but they might. I expected the 17-year-old to know something, but I didn't know if the 12 or the two 13-year-olds knew. I didn't know how much they knew. A couple of them had received pretty decent sex education in school in terms of what they knew. Of course, we did the condom on the banana thing, We, we and this is so <laughs> funny. I, I have to tell you, this is hysterical. That uh they, I bought all these different kind of condoms that were different flavors and different colors, and one of them was day glow. So, in other words, it would glow in the dark. So, right, they realized that it was day glow, and they put the day glow condom on the banana. And then the 17 year old said, "Okay, let's put this over the light." So they put it over a lamp, and then we all jumped into this dark closet where <laughs> that's so much fun. Where the day glow banana was, and one of the little boys said. Wow, if I had this on, I'd always know where my penis was. <laughs> <laughs> that is classic. <laughs> it was great. They had a really great time. We did a lot of we did some yoga boxing that uh technique that I have, yoga boxing for boundary setting and being able to say no. And they they all reported we we worked together for four hours on a on a Saturday and they all reported after the class that they felt they could talk to me more easily than they could talk to their parents. Even if some of their parents were really overtly talking to them, they still felt at ease with me. And they also reported that 
they now really had no in their body. You know, the, the feeling of no, having a boundary no, being able to say it in their body much more than what would happen if they ever needed to say no. Mm-hmm. So... That is so... It's so key for them to do that and practice role-playing because that's really one of the things that um, that adolescents will say when they're in certain situations and they don't know how to handle them. It's not that they don't know what to say. It's that they don't feel comfortable saying it. And so once they are able to practice and get it in their body, they're so much more at ease in being able to say what it is that they really want. Well, you know, I with, in the yoga boxing, they started out smiling and laughing while they were facing each other. And for people who don't know what yoga boxing is, it's an exercise. It's a 45-minute workout based on yoga, tai chi, African dance, and tantra. And one of the exercises where people face each other and they, they with each word, they punch out a fist. So they say, or a stop sign, an open fist. So they would say, step back now, step back now, or no, 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 no. And they would move one arm, then the other arm, then one arm, then the other arm. And they, they actually started out by giggling. They couldn't make eye contact. They were smiling. And I kept making them do it again and again and again until they could get real serious and forget that it was their friend they were looking at mm-hmm. and see that it could have been a predator or some, you know, some threat. And they really, they, when they got serious about it, they really, really got it in their body. Their body made a take of it. So thanks. That's amazing. Yeah, thanks did, for that. Did they ask for more when your workshop was done? They said they'd like to meet again at some point. They didn't say exactly when. And now with the holidays coming up, I'm having a really difficult time getting their parents together. I'm wanting to get the parents together to review what I told their children. I mean, they just really trusted me, which was fabulous. But I'm wanting to get them together to have a review and have them be in as much ease as possible should any of these subjects come up. That would be amazing. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you should even at some point you can even try doing a joint workshop with them, the parents and the kids. I figured after the parents were with me alone, because some of the parents are very, very uptight. So I figured after the parents sure. with me alone, then the parents and the and the teens could come back together. That we're would gonna be need amazing. To, we're gonna need to pause here for a moment, but we'll be right back. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Tantra Cafe a program for spiritual enlightenment. I'm Laurie Handlers, your host, and my guest today is Heather Simonson, and we are coming right back. Please stay tuned. We're talking about teenage sexuality. If you're listening to Tantra Cafe, congratulations. You've reached a higher plane of consciousness in caring for yourself and caring for your significant other. Tantra can help with physical and emotional bonding to nurture your relationship. And there's another level of care that you should be considering as well. It's your family's financial well-being. I rely on DeLone Financial Services to guide me on this journey. And Jeff DeLone is my friend. He and I have worked together for years. He even helps care for my father's finances. 
For information about your family's financial planning, contact Jeff DeLone at 610-356-1253. That's 610-356-1253. Or you can email Jeff at jdelone at delonefinancialgroup.com. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through FSC Securities Corporation. Member FINRA SIPC. Jeff DeLone is a registered representative with FSC Securities Corporation. DeLone Financial Group is not. Well, here we are back at Tantra Cafe. My guest today is a really dedicated social worker who is a sexuality educator, Heather Simonson. And Heather works in the schools. She tries to reach as many teenagers as possible. She also works with families, couples, whoever actually wants to work with her around sexuality. And she has a passion for this teenage education thing, as do I. So we are, we're united in spirit about this. So, Heather, the um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you have some ideas about how I can get that parent group really rolling. I mean, I have some very, very shy parents who do, who are afraid. And you must have met parents like this, parents who are afraid to talk to their kids about sexuality. I think that um, I would say the majority of parents that I have come into contact with are afraid to talk to their kids about sexuality. But the most astounding thing in the work that I have done around parents um, and that is one of the areas uh, that I do focus on is parent education, and I've created an entire parenting program called Pep Talks, um, Parent Empowerment Project, that's really dedicated to supporting the parents and giving them the information and the tools that they need to speak openly and comfortably with their kids. And it's been just an amazing experience because every time that I goes through, most of the work I've done has been through parent-teacher associations and HSAs. Um, and Wait a minute, what's a lot HSA? Of times, um, what is, an HSA is the same thing as a PTA, but different school districts call them different things. So oh. maybe it's a home, I think it's home school association. Oh, okay. Oh, HSA. Okay, sure, sure. Yeah, they call them different things, PTSAs, um parent-teacher student association, so it's just another type of P, uh, or acronym that they use for a PTA. And so um, a lot of times, the you know, the presidents are usually ones that I work through, and they'll say, okay, well, I just want to let you know, you know, there aren't a lot of parents who come, and, you know, usually our attendance is maybe 10, 15 people. Well, I've had 40 to 60 people attend these programs, and the the PTA members are in shock because they didn't expect it. And a lot of times they're hesitant because of the topic and because of the subject matter. And what winds up happening is that when a parent actually sees an outlet and a safe, what they perceive to be a safe outlet, to come and learn and be able to express themselves and share their stories and ask questions, they flock to it. They're thirsty for it. They're aware of the problems that are going on. Now, the one thing that's been a challenge is that oftentimes the parents who really need to be there are not the parents who are coming. 
Yeah, well. Um, yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, it's not to say that the parents who are coming are not benefiting. I mean, they are, they're very much in need of the information. Um, you know, but it's, it's the parents, it's the kids who are at most risk where their parents are either uninvolved or over dedicated, whether it's working, you know, two to three different jobs and they're, you know, they're gone all of the time. Um, you know, some of these families are just really working their tails off just to make ends meet and that's why their kids are left alone um, and why they get into trouble but they're trying to just provide the basics for their family that's been one of the major challenges in this work um, you know so the pits so the ones who need it the most aren't necessarily the ones who are there and that's been the biggest challenge of how right. to really reach those parents right but so sure, I think sure. that I can... you'll find once you really I think that you'll you'll be surprised that once you reach out to them and say, I want to do this for you because I want for you to be able to clarify your own values um, so that you can communicate what those values are to your children, not that they, not so that they're hearing it from me, but that they can hear it from you, but that you also have the confidence and the strength to be able to give them the information that they need to be able to protect themselves. Right, right. It's great. Thanks. Thanks for that coaching. It's really super. Now, of course, all of this begets the question how you got interested in this in the first place. Did you get pregnant when you were a teenager? Luckily, I did not. But the interesting thing um, that you say that, I mean, as I mentioned before, my website is just going up. And one of the first things I say is that the reason why I got into this work because not was because I got pregnant, but there were so many of my friends that were. And yeah. there were people who came to me because they couldn't go to their own parents. And luckily, I had um, a mother that I knew that I could go to for those kinds of things. I luckily never had to go to her for anything for myself in terms of that. But, for, you know, I was able to go to her with other issues that my friends came to us. And that was really where it started. Was It was a very eye-opening experience for me of why is it that we received the same education, but my friends are getting into trouble and I'm not in terms of that. So are you talking about your own mother? Your mother was this way with you. She was very open to giving you the information or a, some other mother? My mother. My oh, own mother. mother. Okay. My mother, yes. Um you know, it wasn't that I would speak again. It wasn't so much that I would talk with her because it's uncomfortable. It's, right. it, you know, I mean, it's uncomfortable to talk to your own parents about sex. <laughs> and so it wasn't necessarily that I was going to her about my own stuff, but I think that inherently um, whatever values that she raised me with um, or my parents raised me with, that I knew that I could go to them. And so when my friends were in trouble and they came to me, I went to my mother. And, and you know, we, we were able to help her, uh, help them together. And so, um, but again, it, it made me really think, why is it that we've got, we got the same education, but I'm not, you know, I'm not putting myself at risk. And I have, I'm surrounded by peers and friends that, are get are have are pregnant and are getting pregnant pregnant multiple times and who are getting sexually transmitted infections and it you know I guess as I grew it just dawned on me that these some some of these friends were people who couldn't 
go to their who really couldn't go to their parents. Their parents were not available to them. And well, that's Heather, you one know, of the there's things another that piece to it too that you're not that you're kind of not mentioning, but that's also if one they weren't getting whatever the proper touch, the proper communication, the proper something from their parents, but also sometimes teenagers that's their way of getting getting attention. That's right. You know, like they were acting out. I certainly was a kid who acted out, but I didn't act out in that way. I, too, never got pregnant while I, many of my friends used abortion as their means of birth control. Yes. Yes. And, and uh, although luckily we didn't have sexually transmitted diseases, but many, many, many of my friends had multiple abortions. I mean, it was just like they had abortions like every year. Like yeah. it was going out of style. And I couldn't, I couldn't for the life of me imagine how this could keep happening to them because it didn't ever happen to me. And I'm not making myself better or worse. No. And I, don't, and I certainly was a, you know, a rebellious teen and I got in trouble in other ways, but not that way. That just seemed too, that just seemed too much, <laughs> way too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, it's hard. It's a really hard thing to, I mean, I think that there are so many issues and that, that, surrounds, you know, why the difference between you and your friends or the difference between me and some of mine, um, but you you hit the nail on the head. I think that one of the things that you will find often, especially if you go into some really impoverished communities where these kids are at very, very high risk, that oftentimes they actually want to get pregnant because oh, yeah, they, they really are craving that affection. <laughs> They want someone to give them attention and affection that they didn't That's right. miss. That's so right. So a baby's yeah. going to do that because the baby needs them. That's right. Oh, yeah, it's uh, it's sad but true. Very sad but true. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's how I got – that's how my interest really started. And then when I went into college, I became an AIDS peer educator. And really the rest is history. I've been doing it ever since then. And Say that again, an AIDS peer – a peer, a peer educator. I did peer education in college. A peer. Mm-hmm. So in your college, like, for example, in your dormitory and stuff, you would just, mm-hmm. you would have, like, like uh, certain evenings where you would have a, a fireside chat or something? That's exactly what we did. It was, I, I went to Stony Brook University for yeah. both my undergrad and graduate experience. And I was extremely involved in student services and higher education and student affairs, and I became an RA, and which is a resident assistant. But prior to any of that, my jumping off point really was um, my – I became an AIDS peer educator, and it was a, a, one, a year-long program that I went to a class every week and they taught, it was like a sex education class around um, sexuality and HIV. And they trained us everything that you ever needed to know about HIV and AIDS. And when um, either a student group or um, a residence hall wanted a program around AIDS, we would be the ones to go in and present the program. Well, and this was a free, you took this class free, or did you pay some expense for it? Oh, well, I, I got, I received college credit for it, so I paid for it, just oh, like I any see. other class. It was a regular, it was a regular class that you got college credit for. Wow. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it's amazing. Well, your dedication, Heather, is amazing as well. Your dedication to people and having a healthy sex talk, have healthy sexual conversations, prevent themselves from being pregnant or from getting the the death trap of some disease they can't get rid of. I mean, even if somebody gets herpes, which isn't going to kill them, it's still such a burden, the people that I know who have it. And and anyone out there in the, in the audience is listening, anyone who has it, I mean, you know, yes, it can be contained. It can be, it can stop from spreading or being spread, or even people can modulate their outbreaks. But it's such a burden to ha- to contract something like this. And some simple, simple procedures can prevent this from being a lifetime stigma uh, or life-threatening. So, Heather, your dedication is amazing. Tell us about your current interest. I Well, actually, when we come back, when we come back from this next pause for a moment, I want you to tell us about your current yoga teaching and how this goes together, how teens could benefit and how people who want a better sex life or practicing Tantra could could help. It could help them to also practice Hatha yoga or whatever kind of yoga you're doing. So we'll be right back with that just uh, after we take this break. Many times on Tantra Cafe, you've heard my guests and me discuss emotional release techniques. How you can do emotional release work is pretty simple. You can actually do it in the privacy of your own home. In my CD, Shamanic Release and Lottie Han, I create a very safe and sacred space in which you can do the powerful work I'm known for in my Tantra courses. I set you up with a proper positioning and breathing and then guide you through each emotional state to the beat of tribal African rhythms. Try the CD as an easy way to do your personal clearing work on a regular basis and watch your relationships walk free from emotional baggage. You can order my CD at ButterflyWorkshops.com for only $20. Aren't you worth it? Go to ButterflyWorkshops.com and get your copy now. Walk free from emotional baggage. Well, if you're just tuning in to the last segment, this is Tantra Cafe. I'm Laurie Handlers, your host. And my guest today, Heather Simonson, has an amazing dedication to sex education and counseling. She started at a very early age counseling her friends who became pregnant and who maybe trans got some sexually transmitted diseases, and she's got plenty to say about it. Now, Heather, I want to ask you about your current passion, which is yoga. <laughs> so yeah. how does this all tie in? How does your studying and teaching yoga now, and you're pregnant too, aren't you? But you're pre- pregnant not out of wedlock. You're not out of wedlock, no, and it is my second. I have a four-year-old daughter and I am 21 weeks pregnant and due in April. So are you doing yoga during this pregnancy? Yes, I am. I'm just about to graduate from my yoga teacher training actually. So it's been quite an experience to go through my teacher training um, being pregnant, which, uh, you know, I never thought that going through a teacher training being pregnant would 
be such an empowering experience because I it, I am limited physically, um, but it's been very interesting to to go through this be it with you know, carrying a child, and I hope that it's being um, influenced <laughs> positively. Listen, your child is going to come out a yogi. <laughs> my daughter is out. already a yogi she pretends all the time that she's a yoga teacher so, wow. <laughs> so it's that, wonderful it's wonderful so how does this all how can we tie this together with the theme of today which is teenage sexuality yeah. and 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 this epidemic going on in the united states what would yoga as distinct from tantra but the yoga of the Hatha variety where people do postures and do breath work and surrender into a posture. How would this, how would this tie in? It's a really good question and I've been asked that quite a bit um, because my goal is, I, I mean, I, I am teaching yoga and I will be taking on some more classes once I graduate, but my goal is really to incorporate yoga into the sexuality education. And as you know, Lori, Tantra is very oftentimes considered even to be the sexual yoga. So this has been a really nice um, bridge for me to just tie it all together. Um, but, you know, a lot of what we've been talking about has been about prevention and sexuality education and kids having access to the information and the resources that they need to be safe. And a lot of people consider prevention a lot about contraception. Um, and risk management, which it is, but the other piece to that that a lot of programs and people forget is the positive sexuality, is to celebrate sexuality um, in, you know, in terms that, you know, as you mentioned before, young people, as they go through puberty, their hormones start to change and their feelings start to change, and it's a very natural and normal process for them to start feeling sexual. Um so, but that's not something that's celebrated in our culture, and it's certainly not something that is encouraged. And so what what my mission really is is for, for all people, young and old, for them to really be able to embrace their sexuality, to be proud of it and to, and to celebrate it with pride and with respect. And I think that that's, that respect piece has really been lacking, and it's not as... It, of course, it's in terms of respecting other people, but it's in terms of respecting ourselves and our own bodies. And I think that that is where the yoga ties in, is that when someone comes onto a mat and someone practices asana or physical postures and meditation and breathing, you're able to really come into your body and and create an awareness that you didn't have before. And the whole theory around it is really the more the more awareness that you have, the more time that you take for yourself, the more that you can be present with yourself and your breathing and just uniting those things, the more likely you will be to respect your body. And the more you respect your body, the less likely you will be to do anything that will hurt it or engage in risky behaviors. And that's really how I tie the yoga into the education that I do. And I also am a yoga ed instructor, which is a national program 
um, that has been extremely successful in schools, and it incorporates yoga activities and philosophy into an educational setting. So you can go in and you can do, you know, a workshop, which is what I do, about self-esteem or body image or whatever it is, and incorporate yoga into that type of a program. And it's been it's been really amazing. I mean, even a couple of weeks ago, I did a parent. Wait, wait, wait. I could just, I had this image. I just have to say, I had this image of you oh. going in, going in in your yoga costume, you know, with your mat and getting yeah. all these kids on the mats and they get, they do all these yoga postures. You give them like an hour's worth of yoga. And then on the side, you have a bowl of condoms. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Not quite there yet, but that would be great. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. So you, ha- you did a program last week, you said. You oh, a program I did a couple of weeks ago was for parents and their kids. And it was very much about what we're talking about. You know, what is the link between yoga and body image and a healthy self-esteem? Um, it was for elementary school kids. And so we didn't talk so much about sex, but we talked about puberty and how this can help them through this time and um, and we did a lot of yoga poses with the parents and the kids together, and it was just an incredible experience. And some of the parents and some of the kids came up and said, thank you so much because I haven't been able to connect with my child like that since the, since they were really, really little. And so it's just, you know, to just bring it back to being in the present and, and staying centered um, is really is really so key and so vital for the health and success and well-being of our kids. Well, Heather, this is great. I really I so thank you for your concern about these matters. I I, I want to say one other thing, which is I know they're in elementary school and these parents and you were you're teaching them about how their bodies can move through puberty with ease. It's fabulous. And the other thing is, what I say to adults, and I'm sure you will as well or do, is that when you do yoga and your body becomes so flexible and strong, you also become a better lover. Mm-hmm. So people who are insecure and have performance anxiety about sex, they they when they do yoga, they actually can get better at sex. Absolutely. Not only because they feel better about their body, but also because their body can do other better things than it could right. just. You know, just kind of walking around. So it's well, taking it's, it's really taking tremendous. the core, taking the core philosophy around yoga of you know building strength and flexibility and balance. Really, you want to practice those things on your mat and be able to apply them off the mat in your life. Right in bed. <laughs> and in bed. <laughs> well, Heather, listen. This has been a fantastic time with you on this show. I'm. I'm so thankful that you do what you do, and I want—I do want you to come to Phoenix and be with, do one class with the younger children here. So we'll have to talk about that, and and I—I'd love to work with you more about this since I guess I'm getting into the same area a little bit with my tantra work. It's just naturally happening, so it's. It's been my great, great pleasure to have you on the show today, and uh, and I, I so encourage you. I just encourage you. I'm so proud of you. I'm excited, and for just so everyone can know, Heather and I are walking buddies. When I'm in New York, we always 
we spend hours walking together and talking, catching up on all this stuff. So, Heather, thank you so much for making yourself available to be here today. Oh, thank you for having me, Lori. It was a pleasure and an honor. Wonderful. And uh, for everyone, I want to let you know to join me next time with my guest, Amara Charles, a teacher of Kadoshka, which is a Native American sexuality training, which is akin to Tantra. So join me then when I return. Until then, I'm saying namaste from Tantra Cafe. This is Laurie Handlers, your host, signing off.